This is the Energizing India podcast. Welcome to the Energizing India podcast, a program that focuses on the electric mobility sector in India, giving a voice to this industry sector. My name is Ravin Merchandani, and on this program previously, we have spoken to key decision makers and protagonists from the various sectors of the ecosystem of the electric mobility sector in India, including grid operators, car OEMs, vehicle OEMs such as two-wheelers and three-wheelers, charge point operators, and even battery manufacturers. Today, we have a very interesting program for you as we go back to the charge point operator sector and speak one of Europe's largest charge point operators, Fortum. We speak to none other than Avdesh Jha. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Avdesh, you've worked as Vice President of Hindustan Power Projects. You've worked with Dan's Energy. You were Deputy Director of the Central Water Commission. You did academic projects at the IIT Lucknow, have an MBA in finance, also from IIM Lucknow, uh, a master's degree in hydraulics and water from the IIT Kampur, and a BSc in civil engineering from the MIT of Muzaffarpur. Um, for our listeners, I think we're very interested. How did someone with all of this end up at Fortum in India? What has been that career adventure? Because you've done everything. So, Rabin, essentially, I am an energy professional. I started my journey with the Steel Authority of India Limited in 1991. But then coming from a state like Bihar, we had always aspirations for, you know, the government job and the civil services. So I qualified for the Union Public Service Examinations and I joined the Government of India in 1993. So I resigned Steel Authority mm -hmm. and I came to the Government of India. Incidentally, I was given the responsibility of managing the water resources, particularly the hydropower dam. Mm -hmm. And that's how I began the journey as an energy professional. But incidentally, in 2003, the Union Electricity Act was enacted. So that opens the space for the private sector participation in the energy generations. Before that, it was pure government's domain. Mm -hmm. So at that point of time, you know, I started thinking that so too much has been done on the policy side. What should be done on the execution side now? So that's how this, you know, kind of a kira will keep coming. And for four years, I spent with the government. But then in 2007, finally I decided that I should quit and then I should join the private organizations where the execution lies. Mm -hmm. That's how my stint with the Hindustan Power Projects, which is, was an offshoot of Mozabad, mm -hmm. uh, I started with the hydropower uh, in there. And I stayed there for almost six years. And I was also involved in the thermal power executions by way of, because every thermal power requires a barrage or a water resources because that requires for thermal power cooling. So I was involved in the barrage constructions, being a hydropower engineer. And, uh, but then at that point of time, you know, the financial crisis happened across the globe, 2008 Lehman crisis. And that resulted into the Hindustan Power Project's priorities getting shifted from the development of the hard, you know, long gestation hydropower projects to the shorter on the thermal and the solar side. So I was thinking that now, is it the time to move for other venture? Incidentally, the Fortum had started their journey in India in 2012. And in 2013, they were looking for someone to head their hydro business, which they wanted to start in India. It took almost six to nine months time before we decided mutually that fine. They found me suitable for leading their hydropower business. And I found that this is a complete workforce. 
and that's how my journey started with the Fortum in 2014, first of July, and for last eight years now. And 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 within Fortum itself, my journey has been fascinating. I started with hydro, but uh, the because of the global uh, issues, the company decided that we will not pursue. So finally, we decided that hydro we will put aside, and then we'll pursue the other. So I was given the responsibility of then managing the solar assets. So I worked there for three years, and parallelly I was also responsible for establishing the sustainability business of Fortum because being the European company, being the foreign, you know, the Finnish company, uh, we focus a lot of things on the safety, the sustainability, the environmental aspects of that. So they wanted to someone to lead that one. So I was responsible for that one. But in 2017, the We thought that India is a huge market as far automobile is concerned, and since we had already done for six years, seven years in Norway, uh, setting up the EV charging infrastructure, we internally deliberated that is there any potential for being into this business in India, and that's where I started my journey on the EV. So you, the the oldest company probably being a CPO in India, I'd, I'd hazard. So Fortum, as you said, is a is a Finnish company, a large Finnish utility, perhaps the largest energy company in Finland. Uh, you, you're you're doing many things across the world, but uh, the largest CPO probably in in Europe as well. Both uh, Sunil and I, we go to Europe often. We've got the Fortum app. We've used your uh, chargers across uh, across Europe. Um, 2017, there were no CPOs in India. You were the first one. What was the um, what was that experience launching a CPO in India uh, and having people look at you scratching their heads with DC 001 and only the Mahindra E2O available in the market? Yeah, that that's a good question. And I I take this as a you know when I started this, I took it as a challenge, you know, because coming from the government background, I knew that a lot of things has to be done before it becomes real a business for any enterprise to start with. So initially we started with the market study itself that how much is the potential what is the policy backing this one in 2015 in fact the government has come out with uh, some uh, support for the or framework for promoting the electric vehicle and obviously the hybrid was also part of that but the for us based on our experience the largest problem was that what would be the status of the electricity Because electricity, by nature in India, is a regulated business. You know, you require a license to deal with anything to do with the electricity. And the larger challenge for us uh, was that: will it be regulated? Will it be licensed? And if that is so, that will be then just the you know beginning of the end of this industry itself. Because this business cannot be done with a licensed and with a regulated entity. Uh, at the same time, we were aware, coming from the government background, that Yes, uh, the government would be thinking more from the consumer point of view, and they believe that this should be regulated. So that's where we started, and we were alone at that point of time. And, and remember that you know the PSCUs, they were coming quite big mm-hmm. because the government was trying that probably this is a non-viable business, so they should promote only the PSCUs. So like NTPC, PGCIL, and others, they had started coming up at that point of time. Uh, though in private sector, we were the probably the first. CPOs uh, on the private side, and obviously then other peoples also started coming in, and in 2018, you know, the Ministry of Power came up with this one. Uh, so, so when we started as a company, we had this that once we sort out this challenge, then India being the fourth largest car market, this would be huge, huge market to be in, and it's early 
the better it is. Mm-hmm. That's how we our thought process was and that's how we started. So that was 2017 uh, you then you were on the ground in 2018. It was still a very nascent market 2018 and that's when we started looking at making DC fast chargers for example. Today 2022 four years after it's completely different, right? Um Um, in fact I, i often tell the story we, we were in in the warwick manufacturing group battery lab in the uk which is right next to the land rover factory near solihull and um we were taken to a secret room where we saw every tata model in late 2018 every tata car model being tested under lithium and it was a big message to us okay that this market is upon us because if tata is doing this without having made any announcement it's coming it's coming in a big way now we all know that the next one was launched there was lots of problems with the next one in terms of it being an ev which uh, everyone's trying to address but 2018 2022 two very different pictures now is has that evolution been pretty much as you estimated it would or did you were you surprised at things along the way if you look at where you were in 2018 to where you are today in 2022 see as a, as an industry i'm not surprised because i was uh, right from the day one i was very clear because at that point of time when you uh, if, if i look back people were talking about should charging come first mm, exactly. so the car should come first yes. you know the chicken and egg i was very clear and we were rather our company was very clear that the charging infrastructure has to proceed build it and they will come yes, yes. because charging infrastructure is like you know uh, the internet absolutely unless the internet is there you can't think of email or you can't think of the www you know so you need to have this infrastructure yes there has to be certain lag so it can go for some years and then the oem has to reciprocate in terms of bringing the products because you can't keep on building the infrastructure and waiting just waiting for you know the cars to come in uh, so we were very clear that infrastructure has to come first and that's why we were very clear that the infrastructure players would start coming in and and the startups would also pitch in a lot strongly in that so i'm not surprised from that point of view the way it has evolved where i'm surprised is the uh you know the entry of the established players the big giants mm-hmm. coming in uh, so early because i was expecting that probably they would come sometime later when the industry would be slightly matured you know the customer will be more fully aware at that point of time that is the only element which has surprised me otherwise uh, it's pretty good on the predicted path i would say so there's two questions that that has spread the first is um the the business of charging the whole infrastructure sector was actually spurred by government tenders and a lot of them were too big and therefore they failed and they were badly written and they were skewed in favor of certain companies but we see multiple failures of these tenders and yet these tenders came out no matter which company you looked at whether it was CSL NTPC uh, or you know BSES BST uh, all all of these government backed tenders Uh, that hasn't really stimulated the market in the way the government anticipated in fact the stimulation has come from companies such as yourselves and, and the startups who've, who've set up irrespective of size gone ahead and done it you know build it and they will come uh, so do you see that as now going by the wayside or do you still see that there will be a large psu play eventually uh, with a questionable reliability and then there's there's a significant private sector play which is focused on on reliability and therefore customers will come there and there might be a premium where do you see this evolution i i have been consistently believing that the private sector has an important role to play in this infrastructure business there are two reasons for that uh one globally when i studied i found that 
the distribution company was trying to take lead globally but the regulators were not allowing them in the initial years to take the lead for a simple reason because once a distribution company takes the lead means the whatever investments you make essentially then you are socializing over the large band of the new you know not non ev user that's right and that's where they had pushed them right for four years initial four years five years globally second if i come to the indian context i was strongly believing that the honorable prime minister is pushing that the government has no role to be into the business mm. why in the infrastructure business the government should come in right so that's where i was of the view that the private sector has to play an important role that was very clear however whether the government tenders and the government will continue to play this or not see i still believe the government or the regulators probably believe that you know it is initially not viable you know it's not giving good returns for initial 3 4 years and that's where we should pitch in we have the bandwidth we have the cash and we can probably help build this one but this business has to be seen from a different perspective it is not the business of just creating a physical infrastructure this is a business of serving the end customer and unless any agency be the government or the private has the right mindset of addressing the concerns of the consumer 24 by 7 so this is the business which is more for those people who has a good consumer mindset a positive consumer mindset who has the interest in creating an awareness to build the future potential partners but not for just creating infrastructure and that's where i believe that any large utility company or established utility company be it the psus or be it the private those who have been working in a kind of a monopolistic environment they will have a challenge because the customer would get stuck at 1 am in the night and they would call your customer care executives now you should be in the time mind frame at fine at 1 am i will get up from my bed i will i will solve the customer's problem there you can't say that fine wait for you know tomorrow 9 am when my office starts so this is this is what i've seen you know any company be it the psus or the private if they understand this they can be successful in this business so the second part of that question then is focusing on the private sector um, and um, if you look at india the way the cpo sector has evolved you have as you said you know we're all quite surprised that the big boys came so early but you also have this immense amount of vibrant activity from startups you know whether you look at um, charge zone or charge grid zeon relux you know wonderful charge mod wonderful startups go you see who have uh, who have created a big difference in the market uh, who in many ways are supporting your journey as well uh, um, and when you look at what's happening in europe you have Uh, a lot of startups that were successful and then you have the entrenched big businesses but not in an oligarchy kind of way and the worry in india is everything moves towards an oligarchy in the end three or four companies own everything um so you know you've, you've had these big companies now enter you have the yet you know adani's and bani's enter enter the sector um and you have on the other end of the spectrum all this vibrancy of growth if i were to request you to put your mind to 1000 days from today 3 years from today and forecast from all of your experience how this sector will evolve are you going to see the vibrancy still exist or are you going to see many of these startups gobbled up 
uh, by the big boys and it becomes a two or two and a half player market eventually in India. So there, there are two aspects to this business. One is purely on the infrastructure side itself. Second is on the end consumer side itself. Now, as far as end consumer is concerned, when I'm talking of the mobile applications, aggregates thing and all those things, that is something which probably would be kind of two or three large players, you know, because that's purely on the consumer side, the soft side. It doesn't require a larger investments on the infrastructure. So there you can see two, three players being uh, as, as dominant. the dominant. Like in telecom. Like, yeah. like, like in telecom or similarly like in Europe, if you see. But on the infrastructure side, I don't see, you know, this is getting uh, in the hand of two or three players. There are two reasons for that. One, India is hugely, hugely different than the Europe. Uh, you have to cater to the deep rural countrysides as well as to the urban and the highways. When, when the EV become the mainstream, then every nook and corner of the country has to be serviced with infrastructure. And I don't think it is feasible for any giant to set up the physical infrastructure in all nook and corner of the country. So there I think there is a huge space for many, many players to be there. Someone will have a larger presence in few geographies. Someone will have lesser presence or someone will not prefer to be on that presence. But the the good part is that since the Ministry of Power has said that this is a de-licensed activities, this has opened the avenue for individual householders also to set up the charging infrastructure. So they will also be setting up the infrastructure. They might have only one station. They might have only two stations. And those would get reflected on those software or the mobile applications, which will be dominated by two or three players, I would say. That's how I look at it. So it's a two different business, a physical infrastructure separate and consumer facing application separate. It's an excellent answer actually, Adeshan. It's the first time we've seen that clarity. Um, one of the things you've said is, uh, in the end, this is about a business that is serving the end customer and that comes down to reliability and resilience. Um, uh, my stunning discovery has been even when I travel through Scandinavia where you've got the largest amount of penetration of EVs almost 40 to 50 percent of fast chargers are unavailable out of service for various reasons because you need so many ecosystems to come together you need the mobile system to work the power system to work the power electronics to work so many other things to work climate <laughs> and um, here in India you know that will be an immense um, challenge um, and one of the problems we see in India is in India it's a zero one game. It's all L1. And L1 will always be China because China can make in a day what we make in a year, right? And so they'll always have economies of scale. So there's, there's a natural imbalance uh, in, the, in, in, in fairness of India versus China. Yet, um, you know, I'm not China bashing, that's the reality. A, a lot of the stuff that comes from there doesn't work very long. Uh, and when you're in the back of beyond in Rajasthan or in Bihar and you've got a charger and you've approached it to the state of charge of 10% and it's an unavailable services when we issues. Um, how do you see this evolving? How is Fortum, for example, addressing reliability and resilience in its charging network across India, given that you will have a very big cost imbalance then? If you are moving for resilience, you have a high cost of infrastructure versus your competition. Yeah, so see, uh, for us, the reliability is critical because this is how then you will 
ensure a good customer experience right and that is our motto you know we have to enhance the customer's experience because this is purely do it yourself model you know you, you are not pampering the customer with any you know assisted service like you have uh, on the fuel stations so obviously the charger a good quality charger reliability becomes very very important and as far as we are concerned you know you can understand from the fact that when we set up the india's first network of the 50 kilowatt public charger with the 10 chargers mm-hmm. in five cities we imported it from australia right the reason being because we had tested those chargers over a period of 10 years and we found that this is a fantastic chargers and we should give similar experience you know we should enhance the reliability of the chargers so we are not willing to compromise on the quality side because you can't afford to alienate your customers repeatedly coming to your charger and finding your chargers offline or out of service out of service yeah. Yeah. initial for initial couple of years customer will give you the benefit of doubt because the ecosystem is emerging but after that the chargers has to remain online almost all the time and that's where you have to zero in on to those partners those manufacturers who commit for changing even if they have might have started with the you know you said the chinese product though i strongly do not believe that all chinese products are made in china is necessarily poor because we are using the mobile the laptop everything made in china it depends upon what specifications you want what quality you want to serve to the customers wherever you can source from any country as long as you are committed to that specifications you are focused to that quality you can find the ways but that would be something which will be needed definitely um avdesh i want to come to another contentious subject and i think the bugbear for all of the cpos in india is the nexon users group uh, because there's so much education that has to come as you said yourself it's a it's a nascent industry and we have to help a lot of people understand uh, whether the problem is a charger or the car or something else completely unrelated um and um the the issue of education is is a is a big issue how is fortum address this because it's an, it's it's a problem for everybody right it's a, and it's it's not just nexon i mean i'm being frivolous in saying nexon but every car uh, club you know the kia has its own and uh, mg has its own they have user groups that that are helping each other um but as you learn today it's always the cpo's fault or the charger's fault when there's a myriad of other things that impact the the, the reliability of the resilience and the availability of the charger so how how's fortum addressing that yeah so see we understand from the very beginning that we being the interface between the car and the consumer so we have to accept a lot of i would say grievances of the consumer even if it is pertaining to the vehicle but it will be us you know as a charge point operator any charge point operator because consumer is facing this issue at the charging stations but they see that reality. you know yeah. that it is slowing or it is not doing the fast enough and all those things though generally people understand if they understand the battery chemistry or if the oems give them a proper education about that one they would know that it is the battery or the bms which controls that at what voltage how much current i can accept right without being unstable now the charger what charger has a role to play there they have to just communicate with the bms and the bms is defined you send me this much of power the chargers supply that much of power safely that's the only objective of or the function of the charger 
but the consumer's experience is regarding that my while my vehicle is getting charged this is slow charging this is fast charging this is not as per you know we were expecting so obviously we should be aware of this fact right and this happens everywhere you know when you uh, in the normal consumer industry when you talk to the customer uh, executives right other operators is their network which is at fault probably but who faces the fury of yours the person with whom you are talking to because he or she is the interface similarly the charge point operator is the interface and they will have to uh, accept this that the customer will ultimately vent their anger on them but we believe that the ultimately customer has to understand about the battery but on the charger side uh, we know that because we have to interact with the oem we understand so that's where we have undertaken this thing through the social media we are trying to do we have the customer day you know we organize customer day in different cities where we invite the people or the customers help them how to charge it because it's a diy model you know you have to connect yourself so what are the challenges you might face how do you address those challenges recently we have created one video because we face that lot of people are facing this gun locking issues now recently we are facing the issues of the emergency button getting pushed on the charger for taking out the guns now ideally that should not be and if you push the emergency button then as a good ev user you should again release it once your gun is unlocked because then you are making this charger available for your fellow next ev user otherwise the emergency button pushed charger goes offline new person comes in you know they face the inconvenience so we have we have taken these uh, kind of things through the emails through the social media but i think all the stakeholders as an industry we probably yeah, have to come together oem you know the charger oem the car oem and the cpos have to come together and create this awareness absolutely right um so i'm conscious you're a busy man avdesh um we won't keep you that long i want to ask you the final question we ask this question to everybody who comes all the talent that comes on our podcast and i apologize it's a frivolous question but it always brings a beautiful clarity in its in the response and therefore i'll ask you the question and the question is this if you had the opportunity to be the prime minister of india for one day and you could make any decision you wanted to uh, foster faster adoption of electric mobility in india what would that decision be <laughs> yeah i think that's that's the that reminds me the childhood when you were asked to write an essay that if you were the prime minister what would you do yeah see i think uh i i mean in terms of the coming from the prime ministers i would i would talk about purely on that the government should invest more on the making educations about the ev mandatory government should undertake this responsibilities the rest everything will fall in place because government has already done lot of things you know by lowering the gst by giving you the income tax bracket you know the break in the uh, interest you have the fame too on the demand side but what is re- needed is that the end user or the pro- i would say even beyond that one the prospective users like who are studying in the class 8 who are in the college because ultimately they are the decision maker of whether what car we should buy in the family if you go today the it's not the parents who decides finally 
is the children who decide that should it be sedan should it be a suv what type of car so if i were the prime minister i would take the awareness about the ev to this level where it becomes much more convincing for them knowing the pros and cons of using the ev and then taking an informed decisions that is something which i would do excellent answer avdesh it's been a, a fantastic discussion uh, lots of gyan lots of experience lots of knowledge here thank you so very much for having made the time to be with us on the energizing india podcast thank you ravi i'm your host for this episode ravin mirchandani but i would not be here without the amazing energizing india podcast team onkar our podcast director and the man who makes it all happen in the end much like a big fat grand indian wedding bringing together the research data and attention to details all in the timelines to get the next episode out on time three vikram our podcast co-host and head of research and sunil who along with me is executive producer of our program The Energizing India podcast is an Ador Digitron production giving a voice to the EV industry in India. If you enjoyed listening to us today, make sure to follow us on whatever platform you are listening on, whether it's Spotify, Apple iTunes or our own portal energizingindia.tv. Thank you very much and see you on the next episode.